Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody into the ESPN FC studios for today's edition of the show. Alongside Alejandro Moreno and Shaka Hislop, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Lots to get to, but we're going to start with the U.S. against Trinidad and Tobago first leg of their CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal Thursday in Austin. The U.S. winning 3-0 against the Trinidad and Tobago side that was reduced to 10 men in the first half. The goals all coming late for the U.S. Ricardo Pepe, Anthony Robinson, and Gio Reyna all scoring after the 80th minute. It was a really difficult game, really difficult team to break down, very physical team. And our guys didn't panic and they just kept going. We didn't lose structure. We didn't lose um, determination to try to get the goals. And, and then when we did, you see the guy, we, we kept going and we're able to, to get three, which puts us in a very good position um, to advance. We know we still have work to do. We know there's 90 minutes left. We're, we're only halfway done. But um, big credit to the guys for the effort they displayed tonight. For more on this, thrilled to welcome into the show a man who was part of four World Cup teams for the United States, goalie Casey Keller. Casey, what would you make of the U.S. performance last night in Texas? Well, I think first and foremost you look at it and you say they got the job done in the end. Now, was it the way that Greg Berhalter kind of probably typed it up beforehand to think that it was going to go to that level with 10 men as playing against 10 men as well, that it wasn't as clean as they would have liked. I really thought that the first half was, was, was pretty slow and predictable from the U.S. I think one thing we saw throughout Greg's tenure was, you know, how aggressive they were in the attack, particularly against teams that they felt that they were much better than. We didn't see that in the first half. It was really kind of slow and predictable. They, they weren't direct. They were waiting for that perfect pass. And give Trinidad a ton of credit. They dropped into spaces. They made things very difficult for the U.S. to find that perfect pass. So then what do you need to do at times? If, if plan one isn't working, adjust, go to plan two, be more direct, be more aggressive. I thought the one thing that surprised me was the U.S. were very possession-based in that first half. And, and, and it wasn't working. They weren't creating the chances. They weren't creating the opportunities. Look, I understand if you don't have a lot of possession that you don't want to take risks and give the ball back to your opponent. You were getting the ball back 10 seconds after Trinidad had it. So there was no reason to be so conservative in possession because you were going to get the ball back. And I think adjustments were made in the second half. And then obviously the subs came in. I think, uh, uh, that Tillman and Paredes, it, it just didn't quite work. And then when Aronson came in along with Pepe, you saw a difference. And I think give uh, the coaching staff, give the players some credit uh, that they made adjustments and they got the cushion. Mm. Shock, if Trinidad and Tobago aren't reduced to 10 men, you think the U.S. wins this game? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So why did it take so long to, to break them down from an American perspective? I listen, I, I think from the get-go, Trent Tobago, uh, Angus, you've had this team set up to, to get a nil-nil. 
played a 5-4-1, a back five, you're hoping to get some, or you would assume attacking with from, from your wing backs, but, yeah, but they never really uh, advance. You have a very narrow midfield midfield four that uh, allow Robinson and Dest. Robinson and Dest, their, their starting position w was about 10, 15 yards outside, outside the Trinidad-Tobago box. And this is as wing backs. That was their starting position. And then one up top and... Albeit Powder gets sent off in the 37th minute, and, and Angus even his, his post-game uh, conference, uh, post-game interview was saying that the plan was to try to keep things tight in the second half. Uh, introduced Nathaniel James, Gil, Levi, Levi Garcia. There was an, uh, a, a discussion with, with, with his club, Aki Athens, that he would only play the last half an hour, and then we tried to be we would start to maybe look for, for, for the counter-attack at that point. And, well, obviously, Powder's, Powder's sending off changes, all of that. But up until that point, uh, I mean, I, I was sitting looking at this game thinking, well, the old cliche 20, 25 minutes would be very pragmatic, very conservative, and then you'll see a little bit more uh, of us coming out. And, and we didn't. The, the, um, so, so to your question, Sebi, there, there was never really any suggestion that this was a Trinidad-Bago team that had a knew how they were going to build a counter-attack up against this U.S. team. And um, I guess the sending off kind of made the excuses a little bit easier. Ale, there's a lot of angst after this mm. game among the American fan base. What's the biggest worry from the U.S. side of things? That recognizing full well that Trinidad and Tobago were never going to score and were never a goal dangerous and a goal threat, that the United States were not more willing to take risks going forward. And it's not just by committing numbers forward, it's by going off script. There are going to be moments in which the United States is going to have to break teams down in CONCACAF, and this was one of those moments. And so now the onus is on the players to be able to uh, use isolation play, use 1v1 situations, be able to beat a defender so that you can create space for yourself. That it isn't just about the slow passing game around the Trinidad and Tobago defense, but never through the Trinidad and Tobago defense. And that's what I, I, I thought that it was, and I think Casey alluded to it, it was very predictable in the first half, and some of them the second half as well, in that you didn't get enough players that are willing to get the ball and do something different, mm. something creative, something dynamic, something that takes this team to a different level. And of all the players out on the field, I think the one player that is naturally capable of doing this more than others, at least from what we saw yesterday, is Gio Reyna. And while I think that he's still that difference maker, there were too many times in which he settled for the sideways and backwards pass because it was all too easy. I think these are the moments in which Gio Reyna has to take the responsibility of being that guy, mm. of being the difference maker, and the difference making that is able to see a different picture, that is able to complete a different pass, that is able to take on players. And we saw when he scores the goal, the third goal, the sort of quality of play that he can bring to this team. And can he do this more consistently? Can he do this earlier in the game? Uh, there were moments in which I thought he got on the ball in good areas and then just settled. Mm. Uh, in a game like this, I want to see more players taking on risk. Because what, what is the worst that could happen? That you don't pull it off? You're going to win the ball back, as Casey mentioned, you're going to win the ball back right away. And so, therefore, in a game that needed this team and these players to go off script, the United States found it difficult to do until the second half. I, I'll also say, I thought there were a couple of poor performances from, mm -hmm. from the U.S. I thought Balogun was poor. Mm -hmm. I thought Tillman, I thought his finishing 
was was desperately poor. Um, and, and so you start to, to question maybe the, the depth of, of, of the U.S. squad. Ricardo Pepe comes in and, and really ma makes a difference. But for, for that starting 11, and I'm not one to comment on, on how deep this U.S. squad is or, or what Bear Holtz is, is going gonna, is gonna to go with, at times, I was just looking. I was expecting better from mm. from some of those some of those names that just didn't deliver on the night. Ali, it's a really good point you bring up. You need Gio Reyna to be productive when you don't have Christian Pulisic mm -hmm. uh, and Tim Weah. Casey, what did you think of Reyna's performance on the night against Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Ali. I think there was a big piece of it too, though. And I made some notes about it while I was watching the game. Was there was times when Gio got the ball in a little bit of a deeper position, and then if the camera had a little bit more of a wide angle, I thought the upfront runs were so static, particularly against a defense that was packed in. So you know the space wasn't naturally going to be there. So what do you need to do? You need to always be moving, getting in front of a defender, maybe even pulling a, being that unselfishness in making a run to pull a defender out of space so another player can run in. And I think there was times when the group up front, in particularly before those subs came on, that everyone was just standing around going, OK, is he going to pass me the ball? Am I? No, you run. And if you don't get it, then somebody else will follow up that space. So I thought there was some some question marks on, you know, kind of the movement in that front line, particularly. Uh, and it just. I guess in the end, there just wasn't enough movement. And eventually the subs came in. You saw that the opening goal was the prime example. Because what did Pepe do? He made a strong run in front of the defender. He didn't stand behind the defender and expect the ball to get to him. I'm going to run in front of the space, and if the ball gets there, then I'm going to win it. And guess what? If I run in front of the space and I pull the defender two yards out of that central spot, then I think if you actually see the video, I think Balligan is coming in behind in case it goes through. And I think that was the difference in why the U.S. finally got the goals. Ale, it was Pepe that uh, gets the eventual game winner here. You mm. think he can push Balligan? I think he can, certainly. And, and it, it seems to me, well, I'm neither American nor from Trinidad and Tobago. I'm looking at this very much from an outsider's perspective. When I look at the United States, when Pepe comes on the field, good things tend to happen. Now, I don't know if over 90 minutes that will still be the case, but when he comes off the bench, I don't know why, he always seems to be scoring a goal. And yet he was the one that was left off the World Cup squad because he wasn't going through a good time and he wasn't scoring goals. All I know is Ricardo Pepe puts on this jersey, comes off the bench, and always seems to have an impact on the game. That is something that I don't, I don't think you can, you can manufacture. You have to have a feel for the moment and a feel for the situation. Ricardo Pepe with the national team seems to have a feel for the moment. Scores a really good goal yesterday. Mm. Chaka, any hope for... A Trinidad and Tobago turnaround in the second leg? Um, um, well, I guess there's a puncher's hope um, back, back in Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> Who's doing the punching? Well, well, the ghosts of Cuba. American <laughs> fans will always remember, you know, October 10th, 2017. Listen, we, we, can't, we can't cling to that for, for, for much longer, in all honesty. And, and listen, here's the thing. First of all, the positives from last night. The positives about Trinidad and Tobago football, Denzel Smith. The goalkeeper for Trinidad and Tobago earning his fifth cap, I thought, looked solid, looked calm, looked composed. I, I'm, and maybe I'm a little bit biased as a, as a former goalkeeper myself, but I loved everything I saw from him in 90 minutes. In terms of what next for Trinidad and Tobago football, we have been asking this question seemingly since 
Um, Stephen Hart was relieved of, of his duties back in 2016, 2017, and our football continued to spiral down. We are being run by a FIFA-appointed normalization committee and, and have been since early 2020. And our football has just regressed consistently and continually. The sooner we get out from under of this normalization committee, we can start having conversations about what next. Because as of right now, there is simply nothing next. We are treading water, hoping to get to that point. I'm okay saying this. I might get us all in a little bit of trouble. But Lord knows everybody in CONCACAF football is already upset with me. So just <laughs> add that to, to, to the cake. But the sooner that can happen, the sooner at least we can have meaningful conversations. Because otherwise, all the criticism is for absolutely nothing. So you're saying they're not coming back then? So I'm saying that I have had enough at this point, and I re honestly, I just as a fan, I I I am totally exasperated. Oh, uh, all right, Casey Shaka doesn't seem very confident. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you want to see different from this from this U.S. team in the second leg down in Trinidad and Tobago? <sighs> Well, I'd, lo I'd love to see the intensity of the final 20 minutes from the start of the game. I think also there's a point, too, where you're not going to go in uh, and be ultra-aggressive from the first go. You still have to weigh it a little bit because you are you know, winning 3-0 and you don't want to put yourself under undue pressure by doing something you know, silly in the, first, in the first 20, 25 minutes. But I still think this U.S. team doesn't have a lot to fear, particularly on the counterattack. Keep your balance, but be more aggressive in the attacking third. Take players on. Uh, you know, Ali made the point very, very well. Take players on, combine, attack, because I think that's where the U.S. has had their most strength in, in, in games like this. Still understand that you know, conceding a goal early can put you under some undue pressure, but don't be as conservative as they, as they were in that first half. All right, and there I think is if, Casey you, if you look at Shaka, I think Shaka... Shaka Shock, needs to find the next Dwight York, Russell Latipe, Shaka Hislop. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the list goes on. I think, I think right now they're just at a little bit of a, a drought of talent. Well, that's, that's as positive a spin as you can, <laughs> yes. as anybody hey, can. Well, yeah. you maybe, said it better than me, Casey. Maybe you should be running the Federation, Casey. <laughs> oh, man, yes. <laughs> they don't make them like they used to. You're far nicer right than now. I am, uh, Casey. I see that much. And Tobago. Thank you very much, Casey. Casey, by the way, will be on the next edition of Football America. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. It's, it's a party uh, now. Live Monday night after the second Hatcher day is gonna be uh, in against Trinidad. No, you want me on? No, no. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get, uh, we'll get now a pretty busy guy there. Uh, we'll start around 9 p.m. Eastern time right after the final whistle of the second leg. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Harlan De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? 
Well, that's Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com FC. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com FC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com FC. Colombia, 2-1 winners over Brazil on Thursday night in the most dramatic of fashion. Luis Diaz with goals four minutes apart in the second half as Colombia overcame a first-half deficit when Gabriel Martinelli opened the scoring for Brazil just four minutes into the game. What does it mean for the table in Conmebol? Well, there you see it. Argentina first, Uruguay second, Colombia up into third ahead of Venezuela and Brazil all the way down in fifth. Again, the top six go through to the World Cup, seventh into the intercontinental playoff. Gustavo, great to have you on the show. Sorry it's with Brazil fifth in the Conmebol table. What's going on with your national team, man? Hello, guys. It's always a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm getting used to be called always when Brazil is struggling. And Brazil is struggling a lot, a lot in the last days. Well... The match against Colombia was one more poor performance from this team, from this team coached by Fernando Diniz. Against Colombia, Brazil had many, many problems, uh, especially in both fullbacks. Brazil nowadays has a, a huge problem at both fullbacks. Emerson Royal isn't a player for the Brazilian national team, isn't a player at the highest level that Brazil needs at this position. Brazil is missing Danilo, who is not the best right back in Brazilian history. We all we have already Cafu, many other great players like Jorginho. We are really having some problems at this position, but Danilo is a very reliable player, a very strong defensive player. Emerson Royal had a terrible match against Colombia, who was completely dominated by the Colombians. At left back, Renan Lodge, who now is playing for Olympique de Marseille in France, uh, didn't also play well. And Brazil tactically was a, a mess, a huge mess. Uh, when you watch the player, when you, when you watch the, the match again, uh, you can see that Brazil had no midfield. Brazil had the defense playing so low, uh, four forwards pressing high, and two midfielders, Bruno Guimarães and André, like lost in tactical translation. They were completely lost in the match. And Colombia could see that, and they dominated the midfield. They started to create chances, and they deserved the comeback. They really deserved the comeback. Colombia was uh, the best team on the field yesterday in Barranquilla, and now Brazil is facing, will face a bigger problem against Argentina at Maracana. Hmm. That uh, game coming up on Tuesday.
Now, the last window, Ale, when we focus on Brazil, mm. you, could, you could focus on Neymar, right? Yeah. The fact that he didn't play well against Venezuela, got hurt in the next game. You can't blame Neymar against Colombia, so who do you blame from a Brazilian perspective? <clears throat> well, I, I, Gustavo just mentioned it there. There's a, I can't believe I'm saying this about Brazil. There's a shortage of talent currently in Brazil. <laughs> there is. There is. Historically, when you, when you think about right backs for Brazil, and Gustavo mentioned Jorginho and Cafu and Dani Alves, look, you can, you can go down the list, and, and you're looking at Emerson Royal. Where? What? Emerson Royal is the right back? Go to the left back position. You can go to Branco. Huh? You can go to Roberto Carlos. Yeah, you, can, you can go down the list as much as you possibly want. And Renan Lodi is your guy. So, yes. That addresses one point. There's a shortage of talent in Brazil. Let's come to that realization. It's happening. Beyond that, I don't think Fernando Diniz understands that there's a shortage of talent mm. in Brazil. Because he, he, I don't know if it's being naive or being arrogant, but you can't set up a team in the manner in which he did with four, I don't know, strikers, essentially, four really, truly attacking players and four defenders, and then no structure in the midfield, whereas we attack with those four, we'll defend with those four, and then all this space over here, Colombia, you can have it. You can have it because we're not going to control it. The moment in which Vinny Jr. goes down with an injury, it actually gave an opportunity for Fernando Diniz to make some sort of adjustment yep. in terms of the structure and tactical awareness of the team. No, no. We bring in another striker, Joao Pedro. Yeah, you get up top. We'll continue to attack. And the truth is that this team right now, they're not good enough to outscore teams. They're not good enough to defend against teams that can pose problems in 1v1 situations. And they're not dominating the midfield. Other than that, they're doing great. Mm. Brazil right now is having an issue with both defending, attacking, and coaches' decisions. Other than that, uh, yeah. <laughs> So it's all pretty good for Brazil. So good. And I can only sum it up in one way. And I don't, I don't want to make this about Venezuela, which I could. Mm -hmm. But we are deep, well, not deep, but five matches into this World Cup qualifying cycle. And however you want to slice it, however you want to explain it, Venezuela right now is above Brazil. That should paint a very clear picture as to where Brazil is right now. Uh, Gustavo, Fernando Dini is the manager. How much criticism, how much pressure is he under? If things go sideways at Maracanã on Tuesday against Argentina, could Brazil yeah, be a looking for pressure. a replacement? Yeah, no. Actually, a replacement, no, because Brazil is still waiting for Carlo Ancelotti. So, uh, Fernando Diniz will probably be the manager till June. We don't know if he's going to be the manager in the Copa, at the Copa America or if Carlo Ancelotti will arrive or not for the Copa America. But uh, the reality... It's this one that Brazil is waiting for Carlo Ancelotti. Fernando Diniz, who is, uh, who, who was, who is, because he's also the manager of Fluminense, Libertadores champion, who is making a really good work in the Brazilian football. When he went to the Brazilian team, he went as, a, as an interim to help. And also we have to understand that the, the, the Brazilian Confederation thought that they could keep Ramon Menezes as a, the manager, who is the manager of the under-20 team. But everybody remembers what happened in the match against the African teams. So CBF realized that, oh, we cannot, we cannot keep Ramon Menezes. So let's, let's take Fernando Diniz for some months till Carlo Ancelotti arrives. 
And we are seeing what, what, what is happening. Uh, Brazil, Brazil is playing as an interim team, as his coach. Brazil doesn't have a system. Brazil isn't strong enough to beat their rivals in South America. When we had Titi as the manager, Brazil didn't lose, almost didn't lose any match for any rival in South America. Now anyone can beat Brazil. No team has fear to play against Brazil nowadays because they know that Brazil is a huge mess, especially tactically. The match yesterday was unbelievable. As Alejandro said, that when Brazil lose Vinicius Jr. and will be when Real Madrid will lose Vinicius Jr. for some weeks also. When Brazil loses Vinicius Jr., everybody could see that there was no midfield, that Brazil needed some help in the midfield, that Bruno Guimarães was lost, that André was lost, and Fernando Diniz couldn't realize that. Fernando Diniz is a very unique coach with very unique ideas, and he needs time. He needs time to work with their players. In Fluminense, Everything brilliant, everything beautiful. With the national squad, you don't have this time. You have to understand that you have to change some things to adapt your ideas to the players and to the time that you have to practice with the players. How big an impact do you think this kind of back and forth, lack of clarity when it comes to Brazil's managers having on, on the performances we're seeing from the team? Well, of course it has an impact. Because if you're a player, you, you want to know, indeed, if this is the guy. If this is our manager, I need to know this is going to be our manager because I think that clarifies everything for the players. And all the players, the, all they want to be concerned with is making decisions on the field and resolving issues on the field. This unresolved situation with the Brazilian Federation and the head coaching position is one that, of course, trickles down to the field. Having said that, it is the responsibility of Fernando Diniz to realize that uh, you have an Emerson Royale, a guy that cannot keep up in 1v1 situations against Luis Diaz. And you only needed to watch the first 25 minutes of this game to say, ah, we have a mismatch here. This is a problem. I need to address this. So tactically, I need to adapt. Regardless of what my genius ideas may be coming in and all the things that I want to do in this free-flowing, open, attacking football that I want to play, that I play with Fluminense and I want to play with the Brazilian national team. Now it's about problem solving in the now. Not, not in the time that you get to work with the national team. But in the now, in the moment, what do you do to address the fact that Luis Diaz is killing Emerson Royal? What do you do? And they didn't do anything. Marquinhos was having to come out into wider areas and sort of kind of create a 2v1 against Luis Diaz. But guess what happens? If Marquinhos gets to the wider area, it creates issues in the middle. And, and there was no help coming from the midfield. So that's my concern. As much as you may have an issue with the Brazilian Federation and actually determining and deciding and saying, this is going to be our manager for the now and for the foreseeable future, that is an issue, of course. But then the decisions that need to be made in the now by Fernando Diniz are not being made either. And guess what? It doesn't get any easier because Argentina is coming. Regardless of what you think, Argentina is a better team than Colombia. And they're coming to Maracana after having lost a game against Uruguay. They need points as well. This is going to be really, really difficult for Brazil. And it's going to be a critical night for the future of both the Brazilian national team and Fernando Diniz. Because I know what Gustavo is saying. But if Argentina goes into Maracaná and wipes the floor with Brazil, somebody's going to have to take a responsibility for this. Somebody's going to have to take the blame, and it's not going to be the players. Mm. Gustavo, 
Is there anybody in Brazil talking about the possibility that Carlo Ancinati might not actually come? Because there's reports today out of Spain that he's working on a two-year contract extension with Real Madrid. Yes, yes. Uh, people now in Brazil started to talk about it. Uh, what happened from the beginning, from the first moment when the Brazilian president, uh, the, the president of Brazilian Federation, talked to people near to Carancelotti. Uh, Carancelotti never signed anything with Brazil. Uh, Brazil has his word. The Brazilian Federation has Carlo Ancelotti words that he will be the manager. But we are talking about football. We are talking about a sport that changes everything from one day to the other. So uh, we, we can imagine Real Madrid, even with so many problems of injuries, uh, we can see Real Madrid winning La Liga or fighting till the end for the Champions League with so many young players, maybe hiring more young players in the next window. Uh, well, Carancelot can, re can renew his contract. He can change his mind. So uh, it's a very, very high risk that the Brazilian Federation, Federation took because you cannot sign this coach. You only have his words. But you're talking about football. Everything can change. So, yes, now people in Brazil are realizing that maybe, maybe Carlo Ancelotti won't be the manager. Oh, if Carlo Ancelotti won't be the manager, so we have a really, really big problem because with Fernando Diniz, the things are, aren't working well. So, yes, the situation is getting each day more complicated. Gustavo, they're uh, mentioning the mounting injury crisis, both for Brazil, but also for Real Madrid. You got Vinny Jr. out now, Camavinga out with a, a long-term knee injury. For Real Madrid, as they get ready to come back from the international break, I mean, this is, uh, is going to be a big problem, isn't it, Shaka? Absolutely, it is. And, and you see how tight the race is at the top, at the top of, of La Liga. You, you, Vinny Jr. has already had a spell out on the sidelines, just started to develop that partnership as a front two with Rodrigo, for him to go out now, adding to those issues, adding to the issue of Jude Bellingham, who's largely carried the team so far. Um, Carlo Ancelotti's got his work cut out for him, wherever, wherever he decides uh, at this point, it, it seems. The fortunate thing is they have given, given, given themselves enough, enough uh, momentum, have enough points to keep themselves in touch and distance between, with, with, with the top. You're not really seeing uh, Barcelona threatening too much. You expect them to get out of their group in the Champions League and hopefully everything comes good come the turn of the year when things get really meaningful. But th th this is not normal, by the no. way. Yeah. And to the point to where Real Madrid earlier this week had enough with all these injuries, and I just mentioned somebody has to get the blame, Real Madrid just fired their head doctor and said, no, 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 no. We're not putting up with this nonsense because some of these injuries are recurring injuries. And so somebody is either misdiagnosing this injury or they're not putting a plan together that actually puts the players in the best path to recovery as quickly as possible. And in the case of, of say, for example, Arda Guller, uh, not only do you want it as quickly as possible, but you actually want that player to, once he's recovered and he's back on the field, that he's going to last more than a training session. And what we have been seeing from some of these players from Real Madrid is that they get cleared to come back, and apparently they're not coming back. And so, therefore, the doctor, gone. See you. Take care. Ciao. Bye. Right? Here's the other thing that is happening. This Vinny Jr. injury 
if you remember, when it first happened initially with Real Madrid, and he gave the universal sign that I, I did this, basically, to my, to my muscle. Essentially, I just trained my muscle. He came off the field. He was looked at by whoever is in charge at that point on the bench and was put back on the field. Now, for anybody who's ever played this game, when you do this, that means your muscle is gone. And when your muscle is gone, you can't run, and it's only going to make it worse, right? For some reason, Vinny Jr. was put back on the field. I don't know if that has anything to do with this long-term injury, but the truth is that he went back, he got his recovery, he came back, apparently was going to be ready to play, and here we are later, two weeks later, three weeks later after his recovery, he's gone again with a similar issue. I'm just saying, the recovery and whatever the plan that was put together for a lot of these players in Real Madrid hasn't been the best, and therefore Real Madrid has already made a decision and somebody had to go, the doctor went. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ronald Araujo and Darwin Nunez, the goal scorers as Uruguay goes to Buenos Aires and beats Argentina by a final score of 2-0, the first loss for Argentina since the World Cup opener and just their second defeat in the last 52 international matches. How did Uruguay pull it off? The game plan by Marcelo Bielsa was outstanding. Outstanding. So people focus on Lionel Messi, rightfully so, when you consider Argentina. He didn't pay so much attention to Lionel Messi. He paid attention to the midfield of Argentina. And how do we go about pressing that midfield so that we cut out the service to Lionel Messi? And so the work of Ugarte, of Fede Valverde, or Nico de la Cruz, how much pressure they were able to put on guys like Enzo Fernandez and Alexis McAllister and Rodrigo de Port, to the point to where whenever Argentina was trying to play out of the back, they were pressing and getting numbers around the ball, forcing turnovers in bad areas. And now that first pass, it wasn't going sideways. It wasn't going back. It was going forward. And why forward? Because if you catch Argentina coming out, and now it's uh, essentially a race between Otamendi and Darwin Nunez, that's never going to work. We saw the goal by Darwin Nunez, but let me just tell you, Darwin Nunez had a chance five minutes in, in a very similar situation. The ball was misplayed coming out of the back from Argentina. They turned the ball over, first ball, first ball forward from Uruguay, and now they're going on the counter, and now they're creating opportunities. The best opportunities in this game came from Uruguay. They were outstanding in the pressures to the midfield. They denied the service to Lionel Messi, and Lionel Messi 
while he got on the ball, he didn't get on the ball in dangerous areas. And Lautaro Martinez was sort of running into the space of Julian Alvarez, and it all became a big mess, but it all started for the lack of and the lack of control that Argentina had and the, and, and the control that Uruguay were able to put over this game in and around Argentina because of their pressure and the work that they got around the ball. How surprised were you by this result? A lot. Really? Uh, listen, I, I think Argentina, I'm sure themselves, to be standout, standout team in, the, in, in world football at home. I'm, I'm expecting a whole lot more from Argentina. Uruguay, yes, and, and given the, the temperature of this game, will always stand as fighting chance, but I, I did not expect them to, to nullify Argentina's threat in, in, the way that, in the way that they did. They have issues at the back, uh, more times than not. I mean, Martinez can, can get them out of, of, of really tricky situations, but uh, if that's all you're relying on, eventually that, that comes, comes to bite. And we, we think of, of Marcelo Bielsa as this guy, and Loco Bielsa. He, he, everybody's just going around like crazy. That, that wasn't happening with Uruguay. Yes, the, whenever they got around the ball, a lot of pressure on the ball and a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of intensity. But it was very smart, very intelligent. It wasn't just running around for the sake of running. He was running in the right moments to force Argentina into uncomfortable areas. And once they turned the ball over, now you had Fede Valverde running with the ball. You had Darwin Nunez running with the ball. And that's when you can expect Exploit your physical ability. Darwin Nunez is superior to Nico Tamendi. When Fede Valverde is running with the ball, he's better than just about everybody in the world because of that physicality and that long strike. We saw that from Uruguay once they won the ball. But in order to force Argentina into those areas, that's where I thought Marcelo Bielsa and Uruguay got it all sorts of right. They were able to force Argentina in an uncomfortable position, force the turnover, and now we go. Mm. Uh, Gustavo, you're a writer. What's the bigger headline here? Argentina losing at home or Uruguay in this turnaround? They've now beaten in their last two games Argentina and your Brazil. Now Argentina losing at home because they were an invincibility run. They were they are the world champions. They have Lionel Messi playing in the high level. So for me, the the headline is Argentina losing at home. But we have to talk about Uruguay. The thing that I most like in this team, in this Uruguayan team, is how they renew their team. When we talk about the best Uruguayan players, we are talking about Valverde. And we're talking about Ugarte, Ronaldo Araujo, Darwin Nunes. They are young players. And we're, we're, we do not, because we get used in the last years. When we, we, we used to watch Uruguay match, we used to watch Luis Suarez and the old guys. Now, no. Now we're talking about the young players. So Uruguay, Uruguay has a team for many, many years from now on. Uh, Facundo Pelistre, who's playing very well. And he's getting his position. So uh, with Marcelo Bielsa, uh, the way that they played yesterday, uh, a perfect match. Each player knew exactly what they had to do uh, with the ball, uh, without the ball in the defensive phase, when they had to press high, when the defensive line, when defensive line was low. It was a perfect match for Uruguay, incredible win. But of course, that me as Shaka also, uh, I was surprised with this Argentina loss. Uruguay, 2-0 winners over Argentina. Shaka, you mentioned the temperature of the game. Mm. You know who else had uh, some thoughts on the temperature of the game? Okay. Ooh. Lionel Messi oh, was right. not happy about the loss, also not happy with Uruguayan midfielder Manuel Ugarte, who apparently made an obscene gesture at Rodrigo de Paul. Uh, you, want, you want to explain that obscene gesture, Seb? Um, I'm going to, like, keep my job for a little bit longer. Okay. Uh, you know, I got some okay. bills to pay with the, uh, uh -huh. with the recently arrived child, so we're going we're gonna to keep our job. <laughs> here's, uh, here's what Messi had to say. I'll read you his comments. Yeah. Uh, well, these young people have to learn. They, Uruguay, have a good group of players, a good national team, but they have to learn respect 
for their elders because this Clásico was always intense, hard, but always with a lot of respect, so they have to learn a little. Taco, what do you think of the comments there from fiery Lionel Messi? Well, I, I, understandable from Lionel Messi, and if not, if not expected. But at the same time, if you're Uruguay and you're coming up against the world champions mm -hmm. and the eight-time Ballon d'Or winner, uh, and you know the temperature is going to be raised, um, these things happen on the pitch mm -hmm. quite often. And while, again, yes, I understand Lionel Messi's, Lionel Messi's response, and, and it's, it's expected, the only way you, you truly kind of teach this respect that, that, that he's <laughs> alluding to is on the pitch. Mm. Um, seeing it in, in, in a post-game press conference means, means absolutely nothing. It's only when those lessons are learned in wins and losses does anybody take any notice. Come on, Leo. Come on, Leo. <laughs> respect on the field? What? <laughs> Who has ever gotten respect mm. on the field? Like, to... to to say that this is, has been a heated rivalry in the past, yeah. but it has been sort of marked by respect. What are we calling respect? Because uh, violence, yeah, <laughs> violence, and <laughs> reminding each other of each other's mom. Is that is that is that respectful? No, no. And that that happens regularly. It doesn't have to be Uruguay against Argentina for this to happen regularly. It, if you get on the field at this level with this sort of intensity, with this much on the table things are going to get out of control. Now, I will say, having said all this, if you're Ugarte and you make the gesture that you made, you're asking for trouble, mm. quite frankly. There are more subtle, hey, Ugarte, there are more subtle ways to disrespect your opponent than doing what you did, because it was very clear for the world to see as to what he was, he, his thoughts about Rodrigo de Paul. <laughs> and they were not positive, no. I'll just say that. Do you want to describe that? No, 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 no. Sammy's got a good I, I, no, well, I do like to keep my job, and <laughs> all, I understand that Sevi has a young kid. I have kids going to college, there so go. there you go. Your needs are even more pressing. <laughs> yes, yes. 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 <laughs> All right, here's a look at the uh, Conmebol table again. The reminder, the top six go through automatically to the World Cup. Seventh goes into the Intercontinental Playoff. I Alejandro did. Venezuela right now in fourth place. Uh -huh. Is this the year? Oh, don't jinx it, Semi. Hey. Don't jinx it, Ali. Hey, hey. we're going to take it one game at a time. <laughs> one game at a time. Now, here's what I'll tell you. The good thing about the results yesterday is that while Venezuela did get a draw at home, we would have liked to win, but okay, we'll take the draw. Is it those below Venezuela, Paraguay, Chile, Bolivia, so on and so forth. Bolivia did beat Peru, but eh, Bolivia and Peru, eh, I don't know about that. Paraguay, with a man down, kept Chile from winning that game in Santiago. That's important, that's key. And now Venezuela goes to Peru. That's a big game right there, baby. <laughs> we get three points at Peru. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking, baby. <laughs> now, in no way would I ever want to suggest that you are biased in your coverage of Conmebol. So let's just get a, an independent opinion here. Mm. Gustavo, is this the cycle where Venezuela finally qualifies for a World Cup? Yes. Yes, they're going to be in the World Cup. I want to see Venezuela in the World Cup. It's not going to be easy. But they have some talent players also who are also playing in Brazil, like Sotelo. I really enjoy Sotelo playing. So I think that Venezuela will go to the World Cup. This is their cycle. I'm with you, Ale. Ale. That's it. There you go. See? i tell you why. I love me some Gustavo. Venezuela yeah. qualify. I'm hey. taking a couple of months off. Hey, I, here's the key, though. If we keep Brazil below us, 
It's a good chance that we're making it to the World Cup, baby. For sure. Don't say it away. <laughs> Gustavo will have to keep coming back home. Yeah, we need, <laughs> we need Gustavo on the show all the time. As a good friend of mine, don't count on me. Don't count on me. There he is, Gustavo Hoffman. Gustavo, thanks so much for the time. You can find his work over at ESPN.com. You can find La Liga on ESPN+. Plus. The league returns next Friday, next Saturday, Barcelona play, next Sunday, Real Madrid in action. Barcelona will also apparently be playing in Dallas, Texas. Oh, hello. What do you know? Barcelona announcing a U.S. friendly against Club America of Liga MX on December 21st at the Cotton Bowl, one day after their La Liga game. Okay. Their final La Liga game ahead of the mm, winter break. I'm, so. I'm sure the players are loving this. Loving that. <laughs> Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Italy 5-2 winners over North Macedonia as England beat Malta 2-0. England already through to next summer's European Championships. Italy will need at least a point against Ukraine in their upcoming showdown to punch a ticket to next summer's Euros. Frank, Italy have a history of struggles recently against North Macedonia, but not today. How'd they get it done? Well, they get it done, but uh, after a great 45 minutes, and you would have thought that, okay, that's a serious game, they're going to win easily. Um, well, again, you know, because they don't know how to defend, they try to to keep the ball, and they don't know how to do that. It's a new Italian uh, team, a new way of uh, uh, football culture in Italy where you don't know how to keep a result. You know how to attack. You're good when you think about that and only about that. And, uh, and they forgot that in the second half. So North Macedonia came back 3-2. Everybody was uh, uh, scared, especially the fans. But uh, Italy, at the last 10 minutes, decided to attack again and they, they won. The thing is, they have to play Ukraine in Germany against Ukraine, which is going to be the final of that group. And uh, in order to qualify, uh, they only need a draw. But because they don't know how to defend, they would have to go for it. They would have to go for a win, uh, which is going to be complicated because Ukraine is a very good team. So let's see. That's going to be very interesting to see because, again, Italy knows, only knows to attack, which is very new in Italy. Mm. Frank, is that the Luciano Spalletti effect? This is his third window now in charge of Italy. Do you start to see some of his impact on the team? Well, yes, yes, of course, of course. And you see uh, some players coming back. Well, Chiesa was absolutely outstanding the, the, the hour that he played, even if he had supposedly a knee problem. But you can see that it's coming up. Jorginho came back. He had a decent game. Except for his penalty, maybe we'll have to talk about that because he was at 1-0 and uh, it's a fourth penalty in a row that he misses, that he's missing, sorry. I don't know why the coach decided to give him the ball and uh, to give him a chance to, to score another goal. I think he has to give up the jump that he makes. is uh, hilarious and, and, and ridiculous at the same time. Uh, so um, I would say that um, 
the coach is doing great, but he has to use the uh, the qualities of his the play the, of the player that he has, and the real quality of those players are against the the Italian culture. So it's very hard. He has to teach the fans, maybe, but that's the only way for Italy to get qualified is to think offensively. And with a player that he has, like Barella, Chiesa, uh, he can do so and be successful. As Frank mentioned, all Italy need to qualify is a point against Ukraine. How much confidence you have in this team to get it? I, I think they get it. Listen, I, I, as much as they allowed North Macedonia back in, in, in this game, I thought going forward, Italy looked as good as, as I've seen an Italian team for, for quite some time. And, and Frank's right to, to highlight Chiesa, who I, I thought was, was simply outstanding uh, while, while he was on the park. Um, yeah, we've kind of gotten used to Italy playing a certain way and being harder to beat, but this is an Italian team that, that plays on the, on the front foot. Um, playing in, in a neutral venue, again, kind of helps Italy in, in that regard. But I, I think this is a team, an Italian team, that are good enough going forward um, to, to qualify. And, and again, Frank's right to point out the kind of nervousness that, that came about in this game. But I never really felt, even at 3-2, I, I always felt that Italy could get this game back under control and it was it was always theirs to win but if it, if it comes down to it and frank mentioned it and, and and it's something that stuck out to me in this game it comes down to it and you need you draw a penalty to tie the game and that's that's the point that puts you into the euros mm -hmm. please somebody in this team other than their Jorginho please take the penalty it's uh, honestly how many big penalties does a guy have to miss in order for somebody to say uh Maybe it's my turn. Maybe it's my time. Because now it, it, it's happened way too many times and it's happening moments like this. And so you go and play against Ukraine and you need a result and a big penalty. Again, big Ali. pressure moment. Is Jorginho the one taking the penalty? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be him. Now he's in his own head, by the way. If I'm thinking about it, you don't think Jorginho's thinking about it? So why is he taking the penalties? I have no idea. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, uh, that that's, was the, uh, the coach decision. <laughs> if there is a penalty, it will be for Jorginho. That's not even Jorginho who asked for that. He wanted to give the confidence back to Jorginho. And the coach decided to give the penalty to Jorginho. I think, and I can reassure you, that's the last time. <laughs> After four, four misses in a row, I can assure you that's going to be the last time. That's going to be the last time. Keep it, keep it well, though. I have to point that out. It's right. part of my uh, okay. membership yeah. in the goalkeepers' union. Thank you. That's the story, Shaq. That's the story. That, that's, that's, that's my story. <laughs> Stick to it. Italy, 5-2 winners over North Macedonia. What Meanwhile, England already qualified for next summer's European Championships. They won 2-0 over Malta, an own goal in the first 10 minutes, and then Harry Kane finishing things off with his strike in the 75th. The difference is England wins by two. Uh, Frank, what happened in this game? Why did yeah. England struggle so much? I don't know. <laughs> there is not, not too much to say about that game because it was an easy game. Uh, there was a third goal from uh, Rice, was disallowed because uh, Kane was uh, on the way uh, to uh, and and touched a little bit of the ball and was offside, so it was disallowed. But otherwise, nothing much to say apart uh, except that big tackle between Liverpool and Manchester United, <laughs> we are big rivals, you know, <laughs> Rashford and, and Alexander Arnold. But there is not not too much to mention. Well, um, uh, one thing, uh, Parker came on and was. Very good, very confident. I mean, that guy is amazing. Just came for mm. the first cap 
and the first two balls that he that he touched, you could feel that the guy is different and uh, he has a bright future. That's for sure. I, again, and I said that last week. I think that's the first mistake that I can say Guardiola made instead of in, st in, in terms of uh, getting rid of a player. I think Palmer, did I say Parker? Sorry, Palmer yeah. <laughs> uh, is, a, is, is a fantastic player and should have, maybe Guardiola should have thought twice before uh, allowing him to go to Chelsea. Can, can I summarize what this game was all about mm -hmm. and the quality of this game? The most entertaining part of this game mm -hmm. for the fans in the stadium, and I'm not in the stadium, but for the fans in the stadium, because you could hear it, that they were getting excited, was to see the paper airplanes that were being thrown from the very top of the stadium, making it all the way down to the field. And that's when you got cheering going on at Wembley. That's how good this game was. Um, They've already qualified, Shaka. Yeah, they're, they're well, it's a training session is what it was. They're, they're, no they're Bellingham. They're already qualified, yes. Players missing. I mean, the, the entire England midfield kind of um, bemused. Southgate experimenting a little bit? I, I, can, only, I can only assume so. Um, I, I thought Gallagher did not play well at all. Tamori playing out of position. He's not a wing back. Didn't have a, didn't have a good game either. I didn't really understand Henderson in, in, in midfield. Um, and then to, to, to Frank's point, when Palmer came on, uh, between him and Rice, simply, simply outstanding. So maybe it was some experimentation by, by Gareth Southgate going on. Um, but uh, some of it I, I don't understand. Why do you play Tamori there, of all places? You want to have a look at that midfield. Didn't really work. You know better now. Um, but it, it really was... Um, 90 minutes, I wish I could have back. <laughs> England then 2-0 uh, winners over Malta uh, in Group C. Thank you very much, Frank. Frank will be back with us oh. for today's edition of Extra Time, where, of course, we take your questions off social media. And as always, you can find it over on the ESPN FC YouTube channel. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And a reminder, you can find uh, all sorts of great content over on our ESPN FC YouTube channel. There's a whole lot of football Americas going there on there. There's a whole lot of football uh, Americas. Uh, also, a whole lot of uh, subscribers uh, as well. What is it, that, 3.3 million? Is that, is, is that a coincidence that it's all football Americas I'm, and you're here? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. And uh, here's a look at the Bundesliga schedule. Of course, the uh, Bundesliga returns. Next Friday with the defending champions, Bayern Munich away against Cologne. And then a uh, full slate throughout the rest of the weekend. All available for you right here on ESPN+. What about mm -hmm. the Premier League, specifically the bottom half of the table? It's where we find Everton after they were docked 10 points for breaching financial rules. It's the largest point deduction in Premier League history. The club will appeal Shaka, 10 points is a lot for a club like Everton. Can they survive it? Uh, this season, yes. Really? And, and listen, if you're Everton, you have to appeal. You, you absolutely have to appeal. 
uh, just on general principle. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, you get a, a less point deduction in their statement. I thought it was veiled, but kind of obvious as to what they were getting at. Manchester City have had a number of charges hanging over them for quite some time. And they're saying, well, if we get 10 points, let's just wait to see what you do with them. That will play out in, in, in time, I'm sure. And while you're Everton, and while, yes, you absolutely have to appeal and at least kick this can down the road a little bit further, if, if come April there's no real resolution to this, I, I think Everton would be in a position to take that 10-point deduction. Hmm. Because you, even with that deduction is shown on the table just there, you were two points from safety. You make that up, given, given what we've seen from, from the bottom four so far this season. Um, so if there has ever been a season that anybody can absorb a 10-point deduction, it's probably this. So from an Everton perspective, the timing might work out yeah. A-OK. -okay. Which then, then I think calls into question, if, if you cheated, Right, which is essentially what has happened here, right? What they what they uh, what's what's the Yes, yes. Let's get the ESPN lawyers uh -huh. on the phone. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you if you allegedly cheated, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And basically this is Everton's way of getting away with it. Because you're not getting punished on the situation that would have affected you truly, which is getting those 10 points deducted when the, cheated occur, the, the cheating occurred, allegedly. Yeah, last season and the season before. Now, you take 10 points away from Everton last season and they're not playing in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. So then, again, begs the question, what are teams like Leeds and Leicester thinking? Hmm. What, what is their position on this? And so, hold on a second. So this is a team that will get a 10-point deduction, and yet they have an opportunity to stay in the Premier League. So where is the punishment indeed? You're, you're, you're actually getting away with it, and you're getting an opportunity to play for your safety, whereas Leeds and Leicester did not get that opportunity. See, they, they, they're gone, right? They're in the championship, and they're, they're down there trying to get up to here again. If I'm them, I'm thinking to myself, well, hold on a second. Shouldn't the punishment be that they take the 10-point deduction from where they were when this happened? And if that's the case, they're coming down here with us. Huh? That's never going to happen because lawyers will get involved. But yeah. the truth is, if the cheating occurred back then and the 10 points would have meant that you were relegated, that's where Everton should be punished, not be given the opportunity to actually have an opportunity to stay up. That, I think, it, it, it calls into question how this process is being carried out. Your point, if you take 10 points away from Everton each of the last two seasons, yeah. gone. They go down. 22 games left, though, for Everton to, uh, to figure this out, this campaign. We'll be talking about this a lot more on tomorrow's edition of the show. Former Everton player Don Hutchison oh. uh, will join us. We'll sure to get his Who opinion. Don played for? Uh, and hopefully stay away from any percentages with Don. All right, that'll do it for this edition of ESPN FC. Thanks for joining us. For Ale, Shaka, I'm Seb. We'll see you next time. Stick around. Extra time starts right now. Hey there, everybody. Hey. Welcome to the hey. Studios. Hey, everybody. Wow. Wow.
Running out of frame here to get the question. Oh, Shaka Hislop. Oh, running Moreno. is a, is a generous <laughs> the World description Cup winner. of whatever that little waddle was. Frank <laughs> Did you just say I waddled? Well, <laughs> have you seen Have you seen Seb when he's got back pain? That is the definition Hold of waddling. On. Among this ESPN FC crew, I would just like to establish I'm, I'm a prime athlete. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> Uh, All right, uh, first way. question. <laughs> Whose win was a bigger shock? Colombia over Brazil or Uruguay over the World Cup winners? Wow. Colombia spelled incorrectly. Shaka, uh, Ale, what do you think? Uh, well, I think it's Colombia over Brazil, given the fact that Brazil had never lost to Colombia in World Cup qualifiers. So. But then you also have to say that I don't think Uruguay had ever been Argentina in Argentina in a World Cup qualifiers. I'm still going to take Colombia, and I think what was even more surprising is how the events played out. Luis Diaz scoring the two goals and how that is. I mean, if there was ever a movie script, there it is. Yeah. It's, it's right in front of you. You can't make it up. And the emotions of not only the player, but then you have to imagine. Uh, a week ago, this guy, the father, is uh, yeah. right? He's, 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 he's made, reality. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He's, he's being held hostage. And, and He's kidnapped, and you don't know what's going to happen and when this is going to end. A week later, which seems trivial for most of us, a week later, his son is scoring two goals against Brazil in a World Cup qualifier to win the game. That It's just the whole thing. It's crazy to think about. There's a movie story. in there somewhere. Y yes, there is. There, yes, there is. You're going to direct it? You're going to direct it there? I might do. I, I might do. So. Hopefully, it'll be one of those soccer movies where the people actually like look like they know what they're doing on a soccer field. That always irritates oh, me. That's, right. <laughs> seems to have a little bugbear there. Yeah, <laughs> I, a soccer movie. Like, yeah. if I want to see actors like Frank in soccer movies, yeah. people that can move, yeah, yeah. you know, coordination. You, you mean kicking and screaming wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> the Italians are good there in that uh, kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> the, guy, <yes. laughs> the twin brothers. <laughs> the only ones. All right. Um, percentage Eric Ten Hag will be managing United next season. Frank, what do you think? Will Eric Ten Hag be back at Manchester United next season? Hard to say, but I would say, uh, well, he has to finish the season first to, uh, and see, uh, and, and we have to see how it works. And uh, But I would say that... Uh, I'll give him less than uh, 50%. Mm. Just less than 50%. Less than 50%. Chaka, you agree? I, I'm, I'm sitting on the fan. I'm going right on 50. No, you, it's uh, not allowed. <laughs> not allowed, right? It's in no? the Geneva Convention. Yeah, you cannot. I, um, defense. Well, then I am going to go to start the season. 55. <laughs> 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 there it is. Instead of my 55%. <laughs> See, you, you said in the Geneva Convention, right? Geneva being in Switzerland, yeah. so, and you're, you're not allowing Shaq to stay neutral. That's a good point. That's <laughs> a very good point. I don't understand what's happening. Did the Geneva Convention or the Geneva Accord? I probably botched that. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, some, somehow, that somehow I don't. It's either there. <laughs> <laughs> talking about football manager. I, I really don't. Okay. By the way, in the movie Victory, you had Pelé. What else you want? That's a real play. All right, but I also had Sylvester Stallone <laughs> playing goalie. That was a nightmare, brother. It was a disaster. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have it all. Uh, for Ale, with young stars currently like Jude Bellingham and soon Endrick for Real Madrid, do you believe the next manager for Los Blancos will eventually have a 100-point season in La Liga? I mean, there's a lot of projecting there and... and 
they're going to be great, but I do think that they're the hundred point seasons are less likely now than they were. Uh, Why? I just don't feel that Real Madrid or Barcelona, and for that matter, Atletico Madrid, but the top two are significantly better than everybody else in the manner in which they have been in years past. And while Bellingham and the potential of Hendrik, by the way, we we're talking about the potential of what he will be for Real Madrid. Yes, they'll be outstanding, but a team is not made of two players. And there is more to winning La Liga and more to achieving 100 points than just the performance of two players. Now, there, is a, there seems to be a foundation of young talent for Real Madrid that would set them up to go down that path. But you have to have a very special season to get to that 100 point mark. Mm. That question coming from Dan's professional faux hawk. Mm. What? <laughs> Yusuf asks our next question. Does the panel still consider Chelsea a mid-table team? Frank, what do you think? Well, I, I also said that, you know, so I have to uh, to agree with the guys. And, uh, and uh, well, it's getting better. And when you play a game like you, they were able to play against Manchester City, and you win away from home, even if it's uh, 11 against 9, against Spurs, you have to expect more. We all uh, agreed that uh, the qualities of the players, the talent of each players were there, but it's more the, uh, the, the let's say, the, uh, the, the way it, the, they were working together didn't match. And, uh, and the fact that completely inexperienced, which, uh, which is very crucial for me, made them being average, I would say, average plus. It's why we all agreed to, to say it's a, it's a mid-table team, comparing to what we saw with all the teams as well. So you have to be fair, you have to be realistic. And what we see with Chelsea, still now, even after that 4-4, um, uh, are with a lot of question marks, uh, still, for me. Officially, what is mid-table? I was just, I was like just trying to think that. 14 or what? So if we, if, if, it's how many teams? 20. 20? Yeah. So let's do it <laughs> so in seven. So one guy on this desk who played in the league. <laughs> let's, let's, do it in, let's do it roughly sevens, right? I'll make it three, three sevens. You're the math yeah. expert here. Yeah. You worked at NASA, so buddy. I, I think, I think Chelsea are right on the cusp. I, 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 right now, and even though Frank pointed out really good uh, results against against Spurs and, and Manchester City, um, I still don't think they're going to finish. I think seventh is about right. Yeah, seven eight. The line is seven yeah. eight for them. Okay. So on the yeah. upper end of mid table. Yeah, so they're upper. They're, they're going to win the mid table. Yeah, so they're mid table ish. Yeah, no, they're, they're really good mid table. Yes. Upper middle class. Really good mid table. <laughs> Ale, who is your pick to win the MLS championship this season? Any team surprise you this season, good and or bad? What has been interesting about this season in Major League Soccer is that there really hasn't been one truly outstanding team. FC Cincinnati, I suppose you could argue, was that team. But even then, they've had their issues as well. So there hasn't been a dominant team. There hasn't been a team that has really been truly outstanding. St. Louis was good, certainly as an expansion team, and yet you know, they get into the playoffs and uh, that's game set and match for them. And so to be honest, I'm gonna go 
with FC Cincinnati based upon the fact that this is this is really really scientific approach here mm -hmm. Pat Noonan my former teammate mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have Tyrone Marshall my former teammate and Ricardo David Paez former teammate with the national team and Dominic Kinnear, a former coach. That's it. The whole, the whole coaching staff I'm involved with. I'm taking FC Cincinnati, riding FC Cincinnati all the way. That's I like it. that sounds. That, that's similar sounds to the poll rankings. Back oh, there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's the algorithm. Yes, right. You put in the algorithm. That's it. That's, there that's, that's what like it spits that. out. Like that, <laughs> yep. I argue with that. It's who you know. It's uh, who oh, you wow. know. Yeah. FC Cincinnati also won the Shield. They also won the Shield. So it's well, a, well, that, well, that's what solid. I said. They were the best team. But, no, you know, I'm just... Hey, I'm following the logic. Don't argue with science. Yes, nope. yes. I've learned that. It was very clear science, I thought. Shaka, start, bench, drop. Oh, no. Neuer, Casillas, Buffon. Oh. Ooh, that one hurt. Oh, yeah. No, no. No, no. Well, Buffon is going to start. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know why, why you threw that in. You just you, making it easy for me. So, no, it's, it's really about who I'm benching and who I'm, who I'm, who I'm what is it, sell, dropping, whoever. Um, oh, man. I'm gonna bench. I'm gonna bench Neuer and mm. drop Casillas. Mm. Bench Neuer, drop Casillas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mm. More goalie questions here. Can the U.S. Shaka afford to play a goalkeeper who isn't a starter for his club? This is happening now because Matt Turner has been benched at Nottingham Forest, and most of the other goalies in the pool are not starting either. Going Perfect. by yesterday's game, the U.S. could afford to play more yeah. alley in goal. Good lord. Hey, let me hey I'm something in goal. Wow. I'm something special in goal. Apparently, apparently, Sebi's the best athlete on here. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's. No. Well, so he says. Oh, man. Uh, I'm all set. I got, I got something less, Seb. You've seen it. You've seen it. I, yeah. I have. I, I played pickup uh, at the Moreno Mental. Oh, I've seen it. Got a little something left. That is a good goalie. You can, you can, I, yes, you, you can pick. Yeah, you think yeah. he'll be okay? Yeah, he'll be okay. He doesn't need to get a move? Nah, he'll be all right. What, what other move do you want? He already got the move. Well, someone worth <laughs> play, man. You got to have your goalies playing, right, I would man. think. Uh, for Frank, start, bench, and drop. Being a footballer, being an actor, and being an author. I, I could answer that. No, it's not for you. You're, I know, but I know what Frank will say. Okay, but let's have Frank right. action. And I'll tell you oh, okay. this is what I picked. Right. I'll tell you this is what I picked. Guess. Okay, uh, um, I'm going to stay in that order. Being a footballer, uh, being an actor, and then being an author. Yeah, uh, that's I mean, what I was being going for. A, a <laughs> a uh, being a footballer, I mean, what, I, what we are going through, and we were very fortunate to have that experience, is something you sometimes cannot explain. Uh, the power of the uncertainty of the game brings you to so much emotion that you will never find elsewhere, that's for sure. Uh, being an actor is great because you have an immediate gratification if you are in theaters, in plays. Uh, with, uh, and tonight I was, uh, I was playing in front of 300 people and, uh, and that was amazing to see them laughing when you want them to laugh and uh, because of what you say <laughs> and that's great uh, uh, being an author uh, you know when you will have an answer to what you do sometimes many years after so it's hard to 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 have that feeling you i i, I guess you must be very proud of yourself when it and it's a success but what kind of interaction you get with the with the 
people will read you not that much I would say uh, so therefore yeah I, I, I would say football player actor than author and Frank I, I got a question for Frank mm-hmm. Be, being that he's the only footballer actor and author yes. in, in the panel do you feel that having been a successful footballer allowed you to be the other two did that open doors for you to be the other two well, it allows me to have a crowd uh, who, for, for plays who want to see me because they want to see how I act. And uh, maybe I fill up a, a, an entire theater um, with an easier way than anybody else. But you need to be performant at a certain point. I would say playing with lots of Italian helped me to know how to act as well. <laughs> That's for the funny part of it. But um, but the thing is, I I have the chance to not know what shyness means, and and therefore I I go for it, and I'm not in any way shy of being in front of people and and be sometimes ridiculous, sometimes trying to make people laugh, or sometimes to be. Uh, uh, a little bit more deeper in my uh, performances but uh, but yes to 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 have that to, uh, to 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 have that chance to uh, to have been a football player helps me to to go for it and and to not be uh, to not put any break in any case for anything i try to do yeah mm. I, li- I like frank in the serious role yeah 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 he can look into your soul I think oh, we have a clubhouse leader for understatement of the year. Frank LeBeouf, not shy at not all. Shy. I was about to say, you want to test Frank's acting ability, ask him to be shy. There you go. All right, that'll do it for this edition of That's ESPN it? FC's oh, Extra right. Time. That's all, oh, baby. What a lovely evening for I spent Frank, with all of you. Shaka and Ale, I'm Seb. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you for the next edition of the show.